Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea, helps you break a limiting belief, or encourages you to create thoughts that uplevel your life so that you can know from the deepest parts of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer holistically after surgery without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with spirit so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most aligned, purposeful, and joy-filled life now, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show. I have a very special guest and one of my dear, dear friends, Sloan, joining us today. And Sloan is a recovering attorney. She is also a evolved, beautiful, wonderful human, and I am just so blessed to have her in my life, and she's a treasure. Today, we are going to talk about the journey of self-love. And with that, I feel like we can kick it off by actually starting with Sloan's story. And Sloan, I feel like you are so good at telling us about how to really savor life. If anyone watches you, I think they can see just how mindful you are in even the way you eat and the way you really, you literally take intentional bites out of life. That's the best way I can describe how I see you in the world. And uh, I would love for you to, to kick us all off with sharing your story. And then we're going to dive in to the question of what do you know now that you wish you had known before you started this whole journey? So happy to be here. And we're talking on one of my favorite topics of self-love. And if you would have asked me years ago, if I had self-love, I would have said, yeah, yeah, I do definitely. But it wasn't really always that way. So in 2014, I was an attorney and I had just invested $100,000 with a mentor to help me grow my law firm. And at one of his conferences, he says, what's the highest version of your life? Well, for me, first and most importantly, I'm recently divorced and I want to have a crazy close relationship with my four-year-old daughter, Colette. Second, I live like the world is my playground and I want to be surrounded by a group of friends who does the same thing. And third, I really want to have a partner where we can live and grow and travel together. Four years later, I'm at a private beach resort in Mexico with the new love of my life. We met in a hot summer night in Zambia and now we live together and Colette loves him and I love him. And we're there together with a group of friends who have been traveling the world with us. So we're outside in this paradise under a straw thatched roof having dinner when I start having this crazy out-of-body experience. I consciously created all of this, but I don't feel like I belong here. Mm. I'm not actually having fun. 
I don't have the close relationship that I want with Colette. And when I go home from this trip, I'm hosting a policies and procedures retreat for attorneys that I know isn't the work I'm here to do. The next morning, my guy and I get into a huge argument again, and it's the same argument we've had a million different times. And in his frustration, he looks at me and says, Sloan, we can't keep going on like this. Why don't we just get married? And I know, I know, I'm thinking, are you crazy? I want to get married again, but not like this. So when we part ways, I cancel all my travel. I ask my friends for space and I really grieve the loss of my relationship. With the help of mentors, I start looking at the truth of myself and who I was being. And for the first time in my life, I'm completely alone creating a relationship with myself. I start taking myself on dates to the beach, focusing on Colette. Instead of traveling through Europe and going to Burning Man with my ex and all my friends, this summer I take Colette to Malaysia, where we spend lazy days in the water, floating, playing. And one night I'm gently giving her a bath, washing her hair, me, not a nanny. I'm finally being the mom I always knew I wanted to be. And when we go home from that trip, I take a big leap. And instead of hosting the policies and procedures retreat for attorneys, this time I hire a chef, rent an estate, and we offer to everyone I know this women's retreat that's focused on fulfilling your highest potential. And nobody shows up. So my mentor and I attend. And then a few months later, I did it again. And this time, four women come. So today, I host retreats around the world, and I guide women in everything from healing from burnout to really stepping into fulfilling their highest potential in this life. And after doing this work that is the work I'm here to do, here is what I know. We are meant to be feeling good as a general state of being in our lives. We're meant to be enjoying our relationships every day. We're meant to be experiencing the creativity and the pleasure of our work. And we are meant to be experiencing more pleasure all around. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of pleasure that I was seeking in my life then, which is outer world experiences. I'm actually talking about a pleasure that you create on the inside for you, by you, which leads me into our conversation because this really is about the relationship that you have with you and what you feel and experience for yourself on the inside. That is so good. So good. So juicy. What do you think that switch really was, Sloan? Right? Because you went from policies and procedures retreat to, which is so funny, right? Like that sounds very like boring, corporate y, lawyer y. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> right into transformation. Now, now you're in full transformation. Like, how do you even switch that off? Were you, was it cold turkey? Were you like, look, I'm all or nothing, I'm making this switch? Or was there some like gradual evolution to it? Well, before this big experience that I just shared the story, I started to have this awareness that I'm meant to guide women. And it was really odd because at that time, I most definitely wasn't a leader of women. And in fact, it was really hard for me to connect with women. I would have said, oh, yeah, I have a lot of male friends. It's really easy to connect with guys. And I had a couple female friends, but 
it was not a fit. And I actually had to go through that experience to realize why, which was I wasn't leading myself. I was doing all these things on the outside and trying to create this life that I thought I really wanted. While actually behind the scenes, I was unhappy and discontent and really frustrated with the way a lot of things were. But in that context, how could I be a guide and a light for other women, let alone for myself? So I had to shift all of that to really be able to step into first having relationships with women and then also being a a guide for women. And yeah, it happened over time. But after I started this big life change, at some point I said, okay, I am going to focus now on women. And we still do a lot of the business stuff. And I work with a lot of professional women. And I think that's the easy part, honestly. You know, this self-love, your relationship with you, finding fulfillment in your life, that's a great life adventure. And to me, there's so much more art to that than the business stuff is is exciting and can be challenging and everything. And I think actually easier. Mm, yeah, I would I would agree with that as well. I think that anytime we're talking about personal growth and development and confronting ourselves, whether that's our shadow, our patterns, our habits, that's a much harder thing to look in the mirror at than it is an SOP. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When we think about this journey, Sloan, how can someone observe themselves or how, what is the question that someone might ask or the observation they might make into being able to say to themselves, do I love myself? Am I fully loving myself? Like, what does that look like? Or, or maybe what doesn't it look like? So that someone could go in and recognize and say, am I loving myself? Because you said this, you said, oh, if you asked me a few years ago, I would have said, yes, I'm loving myself. You already thought you were. So how did you figure out that you weren't? I think one of the greatest challenges in this is that we're kind of taught in our world that self-love or even self-confidence, there's an idea around it that it's something outside of you. It's something that you get. And actually, these things are already a part of each of us. And I like to think of self-love as actually the quality of the relationship that you have with yourself. And if you think about any kind of relationships, we have relationships on physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual levels. And so if you really want to look at the truth of the quality of your relationship with yourself, which shows you the level and quality and context of your self-love, it's to really start looking at things like, how often do you touch yourself? You know, it can be touching like oh, a hug and, and loving. It can be sensual. It can be sexual. If it's sexual, is it just like you're doing the thing and trying to get it done? Are you enjoying yourself and making an experience? And what's the quality there? And then going through each of those areas in your life. And I think most particularly also is how do you talk to yourself on the inside, especially when you make a mistake, when there's an awkward conversation, when you did something that hurts someone else, you know, what are you, your own biggest cheerleader and supporter while still being honest and loving? Um, or do you tear yourself down or make yourself wrong? And so examining these areas is a really powerful way to reflect on this relationship that you have with you. Nice. So what I hear you saying is basically evaluating how, how do you treat yourself? How do you touch yourself? How do you talk to yourself? And then can you allow yourself instead of like, oh, I'm good. 
that's good. Yeah, I'm fine. I've had a lot of people say, yeah, that's not really an area where I'm focused right now in my life. And it's, it's interesting because if you feel that way, it's a blind spot actually, because the quality of the relationship you have with you is literally the filter through which you experience your entire life. So instead of feeling like this is a task that you check or something to get done, if you allow it to be part of this adventure where there's always more and it can always get better and better, literally your life and your life experience also always gets better and better. Yes and yes to that. And you know, because I think you are such a beautiful, shining example of a person who not only is living in self-love, but also practicing it in a lot of different ways. You know, even what you did recently with the, these little shots with you with Boba on yeah. social media, you can feel your joy and your pleasure and you're treating yourself and just this little delight that you have. I, I think, you know, it's really special to watch you living in that also. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm a definitely a fan of, of the small delights. It doesn't take much for me. Sometimes it's even just, uh, I was observing at a resort recently, they were cutting the grass and just like the beauty of like fresh cut grass and just the smell of it and just knowing, you know, and putting your feet into it and, and just the feeling of of the fact that we can feel grass, that we can feel it on our feet underneath us. Uh, just that vibration, I think, is so amazing. So it's it's the little things for me. And, and boba is definitely one of those little things. It's an easy little pleasure that I can actually pay for. So, <laughs> you know, my grandma, I think, was the OG of little delights. She, my entire life when she was living, she always had M&Ms in her purse. Oh. And so sometimes she'd be dipping into the purse and eating M&Ms <laughs> and we used to joke with her about it so much. But now I realize she was a queen of little delights and just had something that was a treat for herself literally in, in her purse. Yeah. It's so funny because my friend recently, we were talking about being like, are you snacky? Are you not snacky? And what does that mean? And I said, I'm not really snacky. I said, but what I do like is I like the availability of dessert. So M&Ms is a great example because I actually do have a bag of M&Ms that are in my bag, but they've been in there a really long time. I like the access to them if I want them, but in general, I try not to eat a lot of sugar. It's just the fact that I can have them if I want them and they're right there for me versus the mindset of like, well, don't put it in your fridge or don't have it available and then you won't eat it. I feel like that's the denial. And I don't want to deny myself. And I never want myself to feel like I'm denying myself any of those things. I always want them to be available. And when they are just available to me, I find that sometimes that's enough. So it's, it's a different shift. And so for if anyone's struggling, if you're too snacky or if there's a particular food that you just can't seem to say no to, then may maybe try it the other way where it's available to you, but you're making a very conscious choice to just not necessarily open the bag and, and dive in. I love that. It's sort of a way of, yeah, you saying, Mary, I've got your back. I've got this little thing in here that I know you like. And if you want it, it's here. Yep. And that can be good enough also. Yeah. And that's what I found is it's good enough. Even with ordering dessert, I think I used to be like, oh, well, if I order it, I have to eat it all because I don't want to waste it. And so now I've shifted that mindset into, no, I'm going to order the dessert and chances are I'm probably going to have a bite and maybe two. And after the first couple bites, there's a point 
in being mindful. And I learned this from you, by the way, Sloan, watching you eat, where if I get to the second or third bite and it's no longer that like delicious bite that I am really enjoying, then I'm okay with like taking it to go, sitting in my fridge. I literally have a piece of vegan chocolate cake that's in my fridge and it's actually a really yummy one. It's been in there for like at least 10 days now because I literally took a bite when I got it. And I think I took another bite maybe like two or three days later. And then it's just sitting there and it still looks so pretty and so good. And I know I could take a bite at any time, but I just haven't wanted it, but it's there. It's available. At some point, I'm probably going to have to throw it out because it'll be in there too long. And that's okay. (laughs) But for now, it's a little delight. That's right. Right now, it's a little delight. What is it that stops people from really exploring self-love? What is the the essence of that? What what keeps people from from even going there? I think at its core is a misunderstanding of how this affects your life overall. You know, it, we're conditioned, I think, especially in business to feel like I need this outside strategy. I need to get more clients. I have to build a funnel. I have to create this thing. And that's going to create this outcome that I want. And that is wrapped up in this old fashioned idea that I think a lot of people are moving past, which is if I sacrifice myself now, I can have the thing or feel good the way I want to in the future. And people are starting to realize, and I'm sure I know you know this, and I know you listening know this, that's not really the path. And so if we look at what does it take to feel good now, I think one of the deepest pieces of feeling good in this moment is the quality of relationship you have with you. And that doesn't mean, and when I talk about feeling good and having this relationship, it doesn't mean that I just entertain everything I want in the exact moment. It doesn't mean that I'm focused on like, oh, I need to go on more trips because I feel good where I'm there. There's actually in this, this quality of being, it actually makes it a lot easier to do the harder things that are more like investing for yourself or towards your great life impact in the future. Now, when you're feeling good, again, I just think one of the, the best places to focus, and I know it's had such a huge impact in my life, it really has changed my outlook and my experience of life overall. In learning to love yourself more and through that discovery process, what has it taught you about how you also want to be loved by other people? It has taught me quite a bit. I had a deep misunderstanding about what it looks like to be loved by other people for most of my life. What it's taught me, I think one of the deepest lessons is that Other people aren't responsible for my happiness. Other people aren't here to make me feel better or to do things that lift me up or anything like that. And I think that was a definitely a context for me in relationship in the past. The way I see it now is I'm responsible for loving myself deeply and as much and as deeply as I can and as I want to. And then my relationships with other people are for me to bring what I have to give into relationships and then to receive what they actually have to give freely to me. Mm. And from there, I get to decide, is that what I want? Is that feel good? Is that the context that I want to be living with this person instead of someone owes me or really that they're in any way responsible for my life experience? Yeah. My last partnership lasted... 14 years. I think through that as I enter 
this next phase of being single. And what you said lands on me because part of just that journey I know that I've been through is being able to show up in relationships now so differently. I ask so many more questions. The questions that are on my mind are the questions I ask. I don't wait. I don't like sit in wonder. I ask. I just ask. I've gotten really, really good also about asking for what I want and explaining what I need. And I feel like that's been such a big key. And that's been such a game changer to be able to show up into every relationship or potential relationship and say, hey, by the way, this is what's on my mind about you. And hey, by the way, this is what's on my mind about how I would love to move things forward or not. And here are some things about me that you should know. And can we dive into some of these subjects? And can we just literally turn over every rock and both show up fully ready to turn over those rocks? And it's been such a beautiful way to also very quickly know whether someone is ready to show up that way with me. And if they're not, that's okay. And nice to meet you. See you later. Like, it's probably not going to be a match right now because I need that. I need someone who can parallel that play with me and who can parallel being able to speak your wants and your needs and your desires and knowing that it's coming from a place of, I love myself. And yes, I want to be able to to support and do everything that you want. But I also want to know that you're going to be here to to support my needs and desires too, and that we can come together and have some fun with that. So I think that that's, oh, it's such a, that's such a good way to put it, Sloan, because that's definitely been my experience in terms of how there's been a shift, you know, just a, a big shift. I love how you have also, I feel like you in particular, if people really go back and soak in your story, you were this like, you were an attorney doing this very like stale, stoic work. And you totally shifted that into this beautiful women's transformation work. And you travel the world and go to these amazing places and give people these beautiful, deep experiences. How has that affected the people that have known you, right? Because I feel like there's the people that we grow up with. There's the people who our parents, our families, friends we went to, you know, maybe high school with or even college. When you start to make shifts, they literally show up energetically and they show up in how you make different decisions, right? If you were someone who was a people pleaser before and you're not showing up in people pleasing energy anymore, that can be jarring for people because they know you as the people pleaser, right? There's, we're almost like a movie. Uh, how people love to to take a person in a movie and go, oh, Brad Pitt is this wonderful guy who's this and this and that. And it's like, no, in real life, like he's a normal human with his own, you know, faults and blah, blah, blah. So like, how do we navigate that? It's a big one because there are some people who have been, I'm going to say along for the ride and just available for the shifts and growth and that I'm still close to, you know, my daughter's dad is a really good example of that. We were in relationship together for 14 years and then um, we're no longer married, but he's still very deeply in my life. And we raised my daughter together. And certainly we've had just huge growth and so many changes, changing our relationship. We both have been through various other relationships. I've changed my name, changed businesses. I mean, on and on. 
for other people, me shifting and growing has been anything from activating to distancing to just not something that they wanted. You know, I had a cousin when I changed my name who I was in the middle of a lot of change and it just so happened that my legal name change came at right after this time of the story I shared. And my cousin said to me, is your life so terrible that you have to change everything in it? And it was really hard to hear that. This is someone I have been close to because I just felt so like she really didn't understand at all who I've become and what I'm doing and Mm. the courage that I was bringing to my life. And so for other family members, other friends, other people, it's been more distancing and we've grown apart. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really important to talk about when we talk about self-love is that it's safe to let go. And I consider letting go to be a form of self-love. You know, I don't want to be letting go of everything and everyone. And at the same time, for what needs to be let go of, you know, if it's not the season anymore for this relationship or this location or this business or experience, that it's safe to let go. It's okay for me to let go when there's no longer alignment, even if there's pain or sadness or sorrow or anything else with it that a part of me doesn't want to let go. Yeah. So there's been a lot of that in this process, for sure. Most deeply relationships. I feel like also people, as we go through our own personal development, as we go through healing, that sometimes it's in those moments where we can reflect back and say, oh, wow, this relationship is really, maybe it's codependent or maybe it's born from trauma. And now in the healing, it doesn't make any more sense. You know, it doesn't feel as good. And oftentimes I think that can be true, especially if you have someone in your life that's, that might be taking advantage of it from that angle as well, is it's just so naturally just transformation. And you hit the nail on the head too with the people pleasing. I think for a lot of recovering people pleasers, which I am one, the people in your life who were used to that or who were benefiting from it or people who like that type of experience when you're not doing it anymore, it can feel like you don't care, you're nasty, you're mean, you're selfish. And so, yeah, it's a big shift to ask other people to come along for. And some people are open and then other people, that's not the context that they want in relationship. What are some tools or some books, um, maybe podcasts, I don't know, whatever's in your, in your tool belt, what are, what are your go-to things that inspire you towards greater self-love? One tool I'd love to share is something that I call a quantum slowdown. So for busy, successful people who are used to doing a lot and going a lot, one of the things about the relationship with yourself that really matters is how much time you spend with yourself. So imagine if you had a relationship with a partner who never really spent any time with you, the quality of that would probably be pretty poor and you might pretty quickly feel like, I'm not doing this, we don't even hang out. So the amount of time that you spend with yourself matters and you have a lot going on. So quantum means mini, very tiny. And a slowdown is something that you can do for two minutes in between a call, for 10 minutes when you come home from work and you're about to get together with your partner or your family. And there are a bunch of different activities that you can do for the quantum slowdown. It can be a a mini meditation. It can be visualization. 
One of my favorites is to do body touching. So that could even be going to the bathroom. I actually did it a little bit before we came on here today. Sometimes it might be, you know, giving myself a hug and just feeling how that feels to my hands and also to myself to be hugged. Sometimes it might be like this with my hands on my cheeks. And especially it could be looking myself in the eye in the mirror and just saying some really honest, genuine, loving things. But it's taking a few moments with yourself to be with you consciously and on purpose. And when you do that consistently throughout your day and then throughout your days, you really notice a difference in your connection to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I definitely do the practice of looking at myself in the mirror, talking to myself in the mirror, looking myself in the eyes, lots of touching. Touch is one of my love, my top love languages. So that one for sure is, uh, is, is big on my list. I love those. Those are really, really great tools. And there are definitely a few of those that I use as well. So I can, I can vouch for, for those being part of the uh, top shelf of the toolbox of ways to, uh, to love on yourself. What other influences have you had, Sloan, around self-love? Where's, the, where's that sense of compassion come from for yourself? Hmm. I think one of the deepest places was going through this healing journey. I was working with mentors at the time where I pretty much was presented with the opportunity to look at the ugliest, most challenging things to see about myself that I could possibly have looked at. I mean, looking at everything about the truth of who I had been being. And that example and the story I gave about my daughter was one of the most painful areas to look because in truth, I hadn't really been emotionally connected to her all her childhood. So she was eight years old by the time of that story. And and there was a lot of pain to look at. She was always taken care of, but I was kind of playing out my childhood patterns with her, but I wasn't aware. And then when I became aware, it was like, you know, I literally had never given her a bath myself. I mean, I had given her a bath, but it would be like racing to get it done or trying to get the nanny to do it. And there was no love and tenderness with it. So seeing these things about myself and then not just seeing it and like, oh, I'm such a bad person. And, you know, there definitely was guilt and there definitely was pain and sorrow, but using those experiences to practice still taking care of myself through that pain. Sloan, you're doing the best you could, the best you knew, you know? Yeah. It's really painful. I see you. I'm here for you. Treating myself that way and seeing these really dark things that felt dark for me about myself has then made it so that I really accept all of me. And then of course that goes into all of other people. And so I think of that as radical self-love is the pathway to pleasure. You have to have a foundation of really loving every part of you the ugliest, worst parts, the things you said, the something's awkward, the terrible thing you did to hurt someone and the great things about you and everything in between, that is the pathway to actually feeling good. It's not to pretend like you don't have those things or to try to fix them and make them better. And then you can love yourself. Yes. When you allow yourself to go in all the way, that changes everything in terms of compassion and self-compassion. Yes. Yes. No, I would, 100% agree with that. I I think the other thing that I get from that is that when you have that level of compassion for yourself, it also really gives you that lens. And now you see it in other people too. 
you show up more compassionately. And so instead of judging someone uh, right away, I think that that's where you can lean in with lots of compassion and you just go, there's a story under the surface here. And I don't know what it is, but there's a story here under the surface. And I'm going to, I'm going to give this time and I'm just going to send this person a lot of love, you know, meeting them where they're at. And I love that part of it. I think the most, because I think that the more we love ourselves, the better we are at also loving other people. Yes. A hundred percent. I love that. It's so true. I've had a couple experiences in life that were really profound of judging someone else and then for something. And then I did it myself Mm. and having this awareness of, you know, my judgment is actually my fear about something. It's not about the other person. Mm. And I think this self-compassion is really a way to start to see that everybody has their life experience. Everybody has things that maybe they're not proud of or isn't the person they know they could be. And everybody's a human being, whatever we have. Right. So it makes it a lot easier to really be in connection with that and in connection with others when you're in connection with you. Yes. Yes. And yes, that's so, so beautifully said. Sloan, where can folks find you? How can they connect with you uh, if they'd like to, uh, to deepen their relationship with you? I, they can find me on Instagram at heart and Sloan with an E, all one word. I would love to connect there. I love to build relationships with high quality people. So if you feel inspired by this conversation and want to reach out, let's have a tea date. I would love to connect. Love it. We'll have all that in the show notes for you as well. So feel free to reference back if uh, if you're looking for the correct spellings and uh, direct URLs. Thank you again, Sloan, for being our guest today, for diving in with tools and just the conversation around self-love and how that journey has looked for you. And I will say that the journey to self-love and all the healing that's happened for you, it looks good on you, my friend. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much for this beautiful talk today. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you back again next week for a new episode. And with that, I wish you tons of self-love. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me more at www.maryd.com. You can also catch us on YouTube at The Mary D Show. Head on over to Instagram and Facebook and type in at The Mary D and just look for the little blue check to ensure you're on my official page. 